Hello fellow science warriors, Metaception here, and today I want to continue our conversation about Metascience, and today focus on a few smaller segments of ways that the replication crisis can be addressed. Now first, in the first half, I want to talk about the way that science is communicated in the mainstream press because obviously scientists find it really frustrating how they often how much their work especially when it comes to like health science or medicine can be so sensationalized or oversimplified in a way that seems dishonest and just really disrespectful to the amount of effort and blood and sweat they put in into their into their work and so there's often the question as to what can you really do, like tangibly, to really improve the communication between scientists and the public so that they have a better understanding of the actual results that were produced instead of just overly generalized conclusions that often can be somewhat distorted. So there's this idea that what you could do, a proposed method, one of which includes trying to prevent future distortion, future confusion on specific papers that deal with like controversial subjects, especially in biology, such as those involving DNA and its the impact of certain genes on certain personal characteristics or personality traits by including FAQs, frequently asked questions, written by this by the paper's authors themselves, alongside the original paper, and it is included with the paper in any link or any reference to the, to the original paper will include that FAQ. And it's just a way for them to get a head start on any questions that could easily come up when discussing those more sensitive topics to make sure that people don't get the wrong idea and just clear the air about what it is specifically that people was getting at so that people don't claim that it makes conclusions bigger than the ones that were actually reached by the data so it's clear about its limitations and scope And that the FAQs are written in layman's terms to help make it accessible to a general public. And that they are obviously included, as I mentioned, in the university press release, which is usually the middle layer between the actual scientists and the mainstream media. Is usually goes from science work goes to a university press release where they are where they are working at, where the research is done, where the university releases that on their own news circuit and then that gets picked up by a larger news network that is considered more mainstream and just goes from there and often those kind of steps between can be seen as a game telephone that makes it easy to distort the actual findings but those kinds of practices of trying to get a head start on kind of misconceptions that people could have and trying to correct them early on can do some good if it's done correctly is a really interesting proposal we're considering and alongside that is what you can do just in general is for the original scientists to have greater communication with the university press release to make 
easier for the original researchers to sign off on the report of their description of what the study says and the conclusions reached to make sure that it's pretty meets their guidelines and it's pretty accurate, often considered. It doesn't say anything that's overly simplistic or sensationalized off the bat, so that way would most jour- mainstream journalists use that their university press release for their reporting that they're less likely to be sensationalized when it reaches the average viewer or reader. And so that those final news reports are written more cautiously and accurately than the science news that's reported by journalists is more will then be more likely to improve without actually losing the quality of coverage or viewer base. So that's a some key suggestions. There are probably more out there, but those are the ones I found particularly interesting as to how to address the uh, long-standing problem of scientists communicating their work to the general public, because it's difficult to do it in a way that doesn't seem overly simplistic or patron and kind of distorting of the actual results, but still accessible for a layman who isn't familiar with like complex scientific terms who doesn't have an education in those areas. That balance of wanting to avoid uh, more of patronizing people, of trying to spoon feed it to them in, in a way that's disrespectful to them, looks down on them, but at the same time can be also disrespectful to scientists' work of not showcasing the detail and nuance that was involved in their conclusions. But without asking too much of the general public, I've asked to understand all these really complex ideas in order to really find value in these in these scientific papers and all these complex research areas. That can be very daunting, and so so solutions in this area are very relevant and making sure that these are these discussions that we have that I like to bring up about meta-science about the way research is done and how we can improve it are not in this area that they are things that everyone anyone who cares about being an informed citizen can be, can be in on a discussion we can all join now uh, apologies I mentioned I hope that they're more that they are encouraged and they spread along that we all see begin to understand regardless of what our careers are of what we understand about these issues that we all have a part to play in this and i hope that's the message you can get away from the segment and i'll talk to you uh, right pretty soon right after this sponsored message Oh, by the way, on the subject of science communication, there's actually a really amusing story of this Twitter account called at Mice that has over 60,000 followers. It's interesting because it helps to improve communication of scientific studies that are done on lab mice for in various medical or public health research. And it tries to clarify that instead of 
where many studies, when they're released to the press, don't mention that they were done in mice. So a lot of people assume they were done in people in clinical trials, which vastly overestimates how far the actual medicine is before it can reach them because of all the stages it goes through. Obviously, animal studies before human studies. So in any kind of proposed medicine or health treatment, that can be that sounds stupid to be true. And if it's if you assume yeah with the idea that it was done in humans, it was it probably is too good to be true. And it's always good to specify that it was indeed done in animals, usually lab mice, because they're the easiest to work with. So a lot of those studies that are cited on that Twitter account mention the headline of the study and then say in mice. That's interesting. That is kind of quirky and meant to be kind of funny. Just to poke fun at those studies that are kind of sensationalized and done with shoddy mythology. But it does serve an important goal of improving communication between the public of what of the limits of public health research, of medical research, of what's capable of doing and how far it's gone. It's gone by how far it has yet to go before it achieves we have reaching them to help them in their particular situations because when there is that confusion as to whether or not it's in animals or in humans that distortion of their expectations of what where medicine is at hurts their trust toward scientific research and makes them more likely to ignore it or not and distrust it because it because if, if it leads them astray to how, to how close it is to reach them, because if they hear that's already, that if a certain medicine is a drug that can cure their illness has already been done in human beings, and in clinical trials, you assume it's just only a matter of time before it reaches them, before it reaches them in the doctor's office. If these, without actually haven't read, read through the study of themselves and realized that that was actually done in lab mice and it still has years away before it can reach them that sense of betrayal and being led astray hurts the relationship between that individual but hope but the public's trust in science as a whole makes it harder for scientists to educate them and for them to be more scientifically literate to make important decisions that affect society as a whole regarding the relationship with scientific knowledge, regarding technology, regarding the way scientific research is done, or the way it's funded. So this is a baby step, this Twitter account, at just saying mice. It may be fun, but it is important. In the way we care so much about medicine and health research, it's important to have that sense of clarity. This is a small step, but it's a small step in the right direction. And I hope, as quirky as it may be, we do see it as progress for what it is. Thank you, and just something to keep in mind to add on to what I said earlier about the ways we can improve science communication. It's just a few words of the help that was realized the limits of what is being done and learn to not take the process of attaining that knowledge of attaining those discoveries in medicine and public health and not take them for granted. Thank you.
Welcome back, Science Warriors. Alright then, now on the second segment today, I want to talk about a really interesting solution that helps combat the replication crisis more directly, and that's to reduce the temptation to have really eye-catching results that that can often be difficult to replicate because they're often based around p-hacking in order to obtain a kind of predetermined solution conclusion, which that temptation, temptation to do so comes from just the desire to be published in a high-impact high journal that will often be a boost to the author's reputation, uh, because uh, universities live under a perish-or-die mantra, or uh, your ability to stay a tenured professor, your ability to obtain research grants and keep your career afloat. Is based on your ability to get published in journals and having your your research out out there in the world. And there's no and the thing to understand is that journals do not have to accept your work. You kind of have to prove that what you that what you are writing, that the conclusions you're reaching, your data you provide is valuable and is worth publishing. That you have something to offer. That you bring something new to the conversation that you have a new angle to provide and so there's often an obsession or fixation on being a novelty which produces really bad incentives and it's easy to have really questionable methods in order to get conclusions that won't won't get you published which hurts the reliability of the scientific process so what you can do instead is reduce that temptation by creating a journal that specifically is meant to publish replication studies or end of themselves so that you don't have to make studies that are based on really attractive or novel hypotheses. Since most traditional journals really don't have the incentive to want to publish replication studies then they are naturally and they're less likely to be funded there's really no reason for most people to spend to spend their grants to spend their money on making those studies to replicate papers that have already been done to prove the validity of their results because they won't get their because journals won't accept it because they don't find it valuable because there's just a sense of stubbornness within academic culture that just doesn't, that's built around innovation to the point that the replication just seems a waste of time and resources, regardless of the, regardless of how much it contributes to reinforcing the reliability of the scientific process. And these kinds of journals helped, might help address that. A really interesting example of one that's come up recently is an economics journal that is literally called the Series of Unsurprising Results in Economics, the acronym being SURE, literally, <laughs> which is just based on publishing no results that would otherwise be seen as unremarkable or not interesting enough to be published, such as conclusions that certain variables often have no significant effect on each other, or that certain interventions have no significant effects in their designated setting. 
or just confirming conclusions that have been reached prior, thereby proving they were replicable. Because it obviously is a great target for replication studies that normally wouldn't be able to be published elsewhere, but it's also just a great home for studies that find no outstanding, really interesting results. That just happened to find that two variables just aren't connected, that there's no causation, that there's no real immense discovery to be found. But it's important to know that we at least have that information, that we at least know that those two variables are not connected after all, which is very relevant when it comes to things in health science or medicine. That too, that's a certain conception of the food doesn't affect a certain health metric or wellness level to know that they aren't connected is useful. It may not be as eye-catching as knowing that one thing causes the other, but having that knowledge is still valuable as, as long as we won't treat it as such. And these journals help reinforce that, reinforce those attitudes that help keep science reliable. And the goal of the journal, which is open access, fortunately, as we mentioned before why that is important, is to help combat the replication crisis by reducing the publication bias toward more novel eye-catching research that can come from questionable mythology and can often turn out to be difficult to replicate. And this is just one journal, but it's still a major step forward in fields of economics and fields of health sciences of medicine, social sciences, psychology, what, what have you, that, that in those fields can be inspired by these kinds of journals as well and have their own kind of journals specifically devoted to replication studies or studies that found no really, no truly surprising results, that it represents a step forward and sets an example of what we should look toward in making science strong and reliable again so to speak and I hope you find a lot of value in those like small steps forward in addressing the replication crisis and, and knowing that this is a movement that we're all part of that even if we don't subscribe to those journals even if we may not read them just being aware of them and not being able to support them in whatever way possible and understanding the the value they place on the medicine that is discovered, that is produced, on the economic policy that's put in place by laws, that these things matter, these things affect the way we live, and that how they come about, and the process that determines them, and the values that's based on, that when it's based on those of humility and earnestness and respect for the scientific process, then we are all better off in our internal quest for enlightenment. Thank you and take care.